Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture, now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. It's good to have Brother Keith back. and. Uh, not that I mind leading music, but boy, it's easier if I have somebody to do it and certainly appreciate his willingness to do that. Good to see a number of folks here and brother Jim's got, uh, most of his family here, I think today, if not all of them, is that all of them or most of them? Okay. So, oh, okay. All righty. So good to have them here today and others visiting with us throughout the uh, service today. Good to have Miss Laverne back with us and good to see her and her daughters here with us today. And uh, certainly enjoy to have you all in the service. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service today. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for allowing us to meet back together. And Lord, oftentimes we don't realize what we miss until it's gone. And I, uh, I think that we have all come to realize that uh, there's such a need, there's such a, a benefit to meeting together and having the time of fellowship and just enjoying the the the. Um, companionship of brothers and sisters in Christ and how it encourages us and strengthens us even in our um, our walk with you and our time that we spend trying to please you that we can edify one another and encourage one another day by day and I pray that you will bless the time that we've uh, got set aside this morning to meet together that it will be a help to us that you will begin speaking and moving in our hearts and, Lord, that we could lay aside the distractions and the cares that we may have walked in here with for the next few moments and allow us to put our hearts and our minds upon you. I pray that you will bless all that we say and do, that it would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
It's good to have uh, our mothers here today, and certainly want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. I said that in Sunday school, and some of the men said, well, thank you. <laughs> but the truth is, we all have mothers, and um, so we can all rejoice in it. Even men can rejoice in Mother's Day and thank the Lord for our mothers. And uh, we do have a small gift. Uh, I don't know where Brother Wayne went. Did he? Where's he at? He left. He went out. He Where'd he go? I didn't hear. Uh, yes, do you have the gifts ready? Okay, there he is. All right. So uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Normally we have all the women come forward that are mothers, but I'm not going to do that today. But if you're a mother, would you mind standing for us if you're able to? And I just want to get, uh, if you could tell us how many children and if and or how many grandchildren you have. I'd just be interested to know uh, how many folks are, are represented here by that. So if you're a mother or a grandmother, I guess if you're a grandmother, you would be a mother. So uh, go ahead and ha- uh, stand for us if you would. And then we'll also have a gift coming around. You can take one and pass it around just to express our appreciation to you. We'll start right over here. All right, three and one. All right. Well, good. So there we go. Great. Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Well, good. Now, did the four children include Brother Tom, or is that excluding Brother Tom? That would be Okay, gotcha. All right. Ms. Kim? Okay, all righty, all right, Miss Penny. All right, good, Miss Douglas. Okay, great. And if you've gotten your gifts, you can go ahead and sit down. By the way, or if you still need to get a gift, we'll get it to you, Miss Sandy. Okay, all right, wow, good. Yes, ma'am, Miss Linda. Wow. Wow. Isn't that something? All right. Yes, ma'am. We're waiting on the grandchildren. Amen. Well, good. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'll tell you what. Uh, they say, now I don't know yet, but they say that grandchildren are the reward for putting up with your children. So uh, I'm still waiting on mine to come around, but... Uh, Lord willing, this time next Sunday, my daughter, will, my oldest daughter, will be married, and uh, we're uh, praising the Lord for that, and uh, not really. <laughs> I'm the dad. I'm not praising the Lord for that at all, but uh, some people are praising the Lord for that, including her, and, uh, but yeah, you know how it is. Uh, with your daughters, there's never going to be anybody good enough for them, ever. With your son, you're just praying that somebody will take him, you know? <laughs> And I'm just kidding. I've got a great son, and I appreciate him. And he puts up with a lot from me because I give him a hard time publicly. But uh, he's been a real blessing to me, and I appreciate him too. But uh, but anyway, my daughter is getting married. With that being said, uh, just to let our folks know, uh, I will not be here this Wednesday night. I'm going down to see my mom for a day or two and then uh, doing the, my daughter's wedding on the way back. And so uh, Brother Mike Toll will be preaching Wednesday night. Uh, Brother Dan Roberts will be preaching all day next Sunday, and so you'll get some good preaching this week, and don't have to put up with me anymore, <laughs> and, uh, at least for that, that period of time. And uh, looking forward to the time away uh, and being with my family for uh, a few days, 
and um, be praying, and then let's be faithful, if you will, uh, to those times together as well. And uh, all right, Brother Keith, if you'll go ahead and come and bring us another song. All right, page 308, 308, Higher Ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. So praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Heart has no desire to stay where darts and fears dismay. Some may dwell where these abound. My prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lift me up and let me stand. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. When faith has fought the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found would lead me on to higher ground. Would lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Last night I um, opened up this hymnal. I hadn't sang it in like a month. Feels like longer, but I made it through almost the entire book and uh, at least knew at least one song within those two pages, which is, I'm very happy about that. I didn't forget them, you know. But my voice is killing me. Out of practice, it's just amazing how soon your your body wants to deteriorate. In my opinion, like my mind, for example, I left my notebook over here. Can't even remember the next song. Um, we're gonna be on page 125. Jesus paid it all when I'm done talking. Since we're not gonna be shaking hands, I have a minute. Um, even when we don't have the opportunity to come to church and fellowship with each other one-on-one. We still have time to fellowship with God. And uh, to my own detriment, I don't feel like I do it enough. Um, So I can just imagine how other people are, because I know I do it more than others, and I'm not boasting. I'm just an observation. So I want to put it to us all, myself included, that we increase... Our desire, our choices need to be more towards God and less towards the world. 
Remember, Jesus did pay it all. Join with me on page 125. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. For now thy power and spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Daniel, chapter number 6. <clears throat> Daniel, chapter number 6. And uh, I was, uh, I enjoy reading um, different different men from years past and uh, fellows that were used of the Lord. I enjoy reading uh, some of the things from Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he has a morning and evening meditation uh, thing that you can look at and read daily. I try to read that on a fairly regular basis just to uh, get a, a, another viewpoint on things. Um, Charles Spurgeon was a man who uh, walked with God. And as any other man, he was not perfect. But it was said of him that uh, when he was with his friends, they never knew when he was speaking to them and when he was speaking to God. He was so in tune in walking with God daily. And uh, he spoke uh, this morning, I was reading some things uh, as part of my, my daily routine and, uh, from him, and he was speaking on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing that it was that the Lord raised from the dead. The, the final and the ultimate proof that God was the Son, or Jesus was the Son of God, was that he rose from the dead. 
uh, if he had just died and been put in a grave, he'd have been like no other man. And there would have been no uh, understanding of the fact that he was uh, God's son. And the amazing thing is that uh, the Bible tells us that God loved us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's an amazing thought. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that uh, really, even for a righteous man, there would be very few that would even die for a righteous man. But the fact that God died for us while we were sinners, that's an amazing thought. You know, for some reason, I, I think people in our world get the mindset, the reason a lot of people don't go to church, they don't, uh, they don't think the Christian life is anything special, is because they feel like God is, is uh, his, his goal is to condemn us uh, or to come and, and bring justice and punishment to us. The truth is, because we were sinners, we were already judged. We were already condemned. Uh, the fact is, Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, in uh, John chapter 3, verse number 18, I believe it is, <clears throat> he talks about the fact that he that believes not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. The idea that he came to, to see people saved, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the glorious news, the exciting thing about the Christian life, the exciting thing about the gospel is that Christ didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to redeem us from sin. And when he rose from the dead, that was the final victory. That was the final piece of the puzzle that had to happen for the Son of God who came and lived a sinless and a perfect life to be able to come and pay the debt that I owed and that you owed. He paid it for us. And people say, well, I don't think a loving God would send anybody to hell. That's true. He wouldn't. He would do everything he could to keep man out of hell. If he loved us the way he says he loves us, he would do everything he could. Even if it meant sending his son to die in our place. To, to pay for something that he did not deserve, but that we deserved. And boy, what, a, what an amazing Savior. If that doesn't cause our hearts to love him more. To think, of, boy, what a wonderful Savior we have. He didn't wait till we were lovable. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And then uh, he makes salvation so simple for us. <clears throat> he tells us that it's not by our works. In Ephesians chapter number 2, he says, For by grace are you saved. You know what grace is? It's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized or not. The only thing that matters is to have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. There are people out there that talk about the fact that there are other ways to be saved. Can I tell you this? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're expecting to get to heaven some other way than through the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are open for a sad disappointment one of these days. And I want to encourage you. Uh, I'm thankful that the gospel is not some overbearing, judgmental uh, decree upon man, but it is a liberating freedom and a great joy to our hearts to realize that we were lost. And He found us. He came to me when I was unlovable, when I was a sinner. Oh, what joy uh, we have. And if you're here today you're not trusted Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you? God loves you. He does not want you to die in your sins. He doesn't want you to have to pay the penalty of sin, which is a death and, and a separation from God in a place called hell for eternity. 
I, I hate when I have to uh, read through the, the passage uh, in Luke that deals with the rich man and Lazarus. I, I don't like reading that story. The reason is because it's a true story. And that story was written over 2,000 years ago. I was talking to my son just the other day. We were talking about eternity. And we got on the topic of the rich man. And I said, Jonathan, the sad thing is, it's been over 2,000 years and he's still there. There's no end in sight. He's still there. My son looked at me and it seemed like it was for the first time it dawned on him. He said, Dad, eternity is an awful long time, isn't it? I said, yes, sir, it is. God is not willing for that. That's not what God desires for man. God desires for us to be saved. God desires for us to just simply put our faith in Him, to trust Him for our salvation, and to give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. And I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't wait. Don't wait. We don't have the guarantee of another day. We were I pastored a church down in Florida for a number of years, and we had a, a large Haitian ministry as part of the church, and they met in another building on the property. And there was a fellow that... Uh, I knew, I was acquainted with, I couldn't speak Creole very well, so we had a hard time communicating, but I knew who he was. He was a good friend of our, our Haitian pastor. And um, one day after church, uh, he lived just about as far as from here to the end of Frontier Road. If you go out this way, there was a little side street that he lived on. And his car had broken down, so he decided to walk to church that day. And that day after church, he walked out the end of the driveway and was walking home, and a car struck him and hit him on the way home from church and killed him instantly. I thought as we got the news that day and we began to weep with the family in sorrow, I thought, you know, he woke up that morning excited about church, got dressed, ready to come to church with no idea that before that day was over he would be in the presence of God. We have no guarantee of another day, and I'm not saying that to scare anybody, but if I was lost, I would hope that somebody would have enough concern to tell me you need to run to Jesus. Don't waste any time. We are not guaranteed another moment. And if we're not saved, I would get that matter settled before it is too late. The rich man lifted up his eyes. The Bible said he saw Abraham afar off and he asked for him to send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and to bring just a drop of water to his tongue. He said, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham explained to him, he said, there's a great gulf between us so that those of you that would come to us from there can't, neither can we come to you from where we're at. Once that eternity happens, it's too late. It's not time for the decision. God has extended His mercy and God has extended His grace throughout this short period of time, this brief time here on earth, and we have a choice to either accept it or reject it. And we must make that choice. At some point, every man must make that choice. My hope and my prayer is that you'll accept it. I, I would hate to think that somebody could come right to the threshold of eternity and turn and walk away from the gift that God has given to us. When Jesus was in His earthly ministry, there was a rich young ruler who came to Him. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, the young man was very, very wealthy and he was expecting Jesus to tell him something he could do in order to receive eternal life. He said, what good thing must I do? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. And the young man said, I've done all that since I was a youth. 
Jesus didn't say, well, welcome, you know, we're glad to have you, we're, you're saved. No, no, Jesus, in his wisdom, was trying to explain, explain a point to this man. He said, now I want you to go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. The Bible says that the rich young ruler turned and went away sorrowful, for he was very wealthy, had a lot of goods. And, um, but you know, if the rich young ruler had gone and sold everything that he had and given it to the poor and come back to Jesus, you know what Jesus would have said? It's still not enough. It wasn't enough to keep the commandments. It wasn't enough to live a good life. There was only one way that he could be saved. In fact, later on, as you read down that passage, the disciples ask of him about how, they, how a man can go to heaven. And he said there's only one way. It's very difficult. The Bible says that, in fact, he uses the, the phrase, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't speaking there of how hard it is. He was speaking about the impossibility of it. Not that a man's wealthy so he can't come into heaven, but if a man is trusting his riches to get to heaven, it's impossible. If a man's trusting what he can do to get to heaven, it's impossible. If a man's trusting the commandments that he keeps to get to heaven, it's impossible. Disciples asked him, said, well, how can a man get to heaven then? He said, with man it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. I'm thankful that God made a way for us. But we have to trust His way, not ours, in order to get to heaven. I know we're preaching the choir, so to speak, this morning. But I tell you, on our first day back to church, I, I think that from time to time, I sat in a preacher's house for 13 years, lost. And I think from time to time it does us well to hear it again. Amen? And I hope and trust that everybody here is saved. If you're not, let me encourage you to get saved today. Trust Him today. He doesn't ask a lot of you. He just simply asks for you to put your faith in Him. He doesn't make it hard. And I'm thankful for that. Well, Daniel chapter 6. By the way, that was for free. You don't, that, If you didn't like it, we'll give your money back, I guess. But uh, that was for free. We didn't. That's not part of the message. Daniel chapter number 6. Very familiar passage. I've preached on this, I believe, one other time here. Uh, there's a couple messages that I think are so important and, and deal with such a topic that I, I feel like from time to time have to be dealt with again. And so we're going to use this. Uh, it's probably been uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years uh, since we preached on this topic. But I want to bring it to light again because I think it's very, very important. We find here that Daniel, who uh, serves under three different kings uh, during the Babylonian Empire, towards the end of the Babylonian Empire, and into even the Medes and the Persians, we find him here now as the Medes and the Persians have conquered Babylon and are now in power, that Daniel is now serving under his third king. He's found favor in all three of the king's eyes because of what God had blessed his life with. By the way, we had a great time in Sunday school this morning with the life of Joseph. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you don't normally come to Sunday school, uh, we've been enjoying going through the book of Genesis. And we saw some things in Joseph's life that were very similar. That when God's presence is upon us, that it, it causes this world to see something that is different about us. And by the way, our world is in need of that again. To see Christians that are different. There's something different about them. And I want to encourage you in this. So Daniel is in this place. He's um, under the rule of King Darius or Darius. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, but who is the king of the Medes and the Persians at this time. 
And we find here in verse number 1, it pleased uh, Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Boy, this is not something new to us, is it? When we start hearing about God's hand of blessing on those that are faithful, there were some things in Daniel's life about his integrity that are, familiar, that are fantastic, even from the beginning of the book. When he's brought in as a young man, probably older teen years, early 20s, somewhere in that range, he's brought into Babylon, and they are, they're trying to indoctrinate them and teach them all of the things that Babylon had to teach. And Daniel said he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. And even as a young man has strength of character and strength of integrity, <clears throat> we find here as we go on that there's an excellent spirit found in him. And uh, in verse number 5, it says, Then these men said, These men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. By the way, it'd be wonderful if that could be said of you and I today, wouldn't it? That there could be found no occasion against us unless it be found against the law of our God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, governors and the princes and counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, to establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. I love this, don't you? As he did what? A foretime. Daniel did not wake up this morning and decide, Hey, I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to be faithful to God today. Daniel had a life that was marked by his faithfulness to his God. Oh, that we could learn to live a consistent Christian life. A life that is not full of all these ups and downs of following God and then backsliding and following God and backsliding. But that we would be consistent to follow after God and to be faithful in these things. Not perfect but consistent, wanting to pursue after the, the things of the Lord. And so he does this aforetime. It says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying making supplication and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. 
Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and, said, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy, king, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest, continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel. Now shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came to the bottom of the, at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius in the reign of, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Father, we pray that once again you will come and bless during this time as we look into your word. May you show us the truth of things that you would have us to know today. That we would take them and put them into practice. That we would not be forgetful hearers, but doers of your word. For the next little bit, I pray that you would help us to put our hearts and the burdens of them to the side. Lord, I know that many times there are a lot of things that when we walk into a church service are distracting to us. I pray that you would help us to have those alleviated, that if there are anxieties or concerns or worries, that we would lay them at your feet, allow you to take care of them, and for the next few moments to put our hearts wholly upon the teaching of your word. I pray that you'll bless and use it. May it be an encouragement to us and strength to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look at a phrase here as we get down to verse number 20. And the Bible says, And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? I find an interesting thing here that is spoken in the question 
that the king asks. There's an awful lot that talks about Daniel's character here. And uh, I want you to notice a couple of things here before we get in by way of introduction. And that is this, that Daniel had such a life that he's, he, got, uh, he was brought into favor with the king. The king thought very highly of him. He was a friend to Daniel. In fact, it grieved the king's heart. And when he found out that he had been tricked into this, uh, the Bible says that he spent the day trying to deliver Daniel. This is how much the king cared for Daniel as a person. And he comes to him in verse number 16, uh, and uh, it says that the king spake and said, Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And you hear, you can almost picture the king as they're standing there or on their way to the, the den of lions. Uh, as he expresses this, this great, great thing, it's almost as if he's trying to, uh, to make Daniel feel better about it. Almost as if he's trying to uh, have the power of positive thinking, if you will. Uh, to say, boy, Daniel, don't you worry. Uh, that God that you, that you serve, that, that I found so much favor in you with, uh, that God, he, He'll deliver you. And uh, just stay faithful there, Daniel. And this is the way the king is in, in the presence of Daniel. But notice that the, the king did not legitimately believe that God could do these things. Because we find here, as we get down to verse number, uh, verse number 18, verse number 19, that he goes to his palace and he passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. <clears throat> then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And it says that when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, almost as if... Boy, I hope I hear Daniel, but I'm not really expecting to. It's a far cry from the king that we saw a few verses earlier who came and said, Daniel, don't you worry about it. The God that you serve, he'll, he'll take care of you. And I'm reminded, and when I read that story, I'm reminded of the story when uh, the children of Israel were just coming out of Egypt and they had gotten to the Red Sea. You all remember that story? <clears throat> and Pharaoh decided, he said, I, 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 don't, I can't believe I let them go, and so I'm going to chase after them and I'm going to destroy them. And so the Egyptians come and they press hard on them. They have them backed up against the Red Sea. And, uh, and if you remember the story, uh, Moses gets up before the people. And he gets up there and he's, you can almost see Moses. You know, he's, he says, stand still. He said, uh, uh, God will deliver you today. And stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And, and then the very next verse, you find Daniel, not out in front of the people, but now he's in his prayer closet. And he's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? And while he showed confidence and he showed faith outwardly, inwardly there was a lack of faith. And here we find the king is the same way. He may be outwardly trying to portray some things. And I want to just bring this in way of introduction, then we're going to get into the message. But how often, as I read this passage, do I find myself doing this? Or maybe you find yourself doing this. That outwardly we talk about how God is so good and God is so able to do things and then the next moment, we begin to worry and fret and wonder, Lord, how are we going to get through this thing? And we have a lamentable voice to the Lord. Lord, I just don't know. It's amazing to me that we can trust something as valuable as our immortal soul, which, by the way, every soul is immortal. It's going to spend a, a, an eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell, but it is immortal. It's not going to just stop existing at one point. It's going to spend an eternity somewhere. And it's amazing to me that we can take something as valuable as our soul and we can entrust it in the hands of God for our salvation. But then when it comes to the little minor things of this life, which pale in comparison to the importance, 
we, we seem to not trust Him. How often we fail in this thing of faith, don't we? I, I'm reminded of the disciples, and oftentimes, I mean, these are men who worked miracles. They saw miracles. They were with Christ. And how often Jesus would look at them and say, Oh, ye of little faith. I, I'll tell you, I catch myself doing that. I don't know about y'all, but maybe it's only me. But I catch myself outwardly being, Boy, God can do it. God is so strong. God is able. And then the next moment, I find myself fretting and worrying over something. And that's what this king was doing. Now, I want us to look at some things here. There's a statement that's made here by the king in verse number 20. <clears throat> he says, O Daniel, servant of the living God. By, by, by the way, can I tell you that? That is high praise, isn't it? Paul, as he went through his earthly ministry, he would oftentimes address in his letters Paul an apostle. Uh, Paul, a fellow laborer, Paul this or Paul that. Towards the end of his ministry, he got to the point where he was saying, Paul, a servant, a servant of the Lord. My dad used to say years ago, God doesn't need more preachers or missionaries or soul winners. What he needs are some more servants that are willing to do anything that the Master asks them to do. We made a statement in Sunday school this morning, a servant has no right to dictate to the master where or how he will serve. That's for the master to decide, not us. We must then be compliant to that and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. It's amazing that this, this worldly king thought so highly of Daniel that he said, servant of the living God. What a great and high praise there is. And by the way, it'd be wonderful if it'd be said of you and I that we were the servant of the living God. He asked this question, Is thy God, whom thou servest, continually able to deliver thee from the lion's mouths? I want us to notice several things that are given by the king in this question. The first one is that this, when it came to Daniel's uh, service to God, and when it came to Daniel's faithfulness to God, it was a personal relationship. He says, Is thy God... Thy God. I'm thankful that here at Keith Heights Baptist Church, we come together, we hear the preaching of God's Word. But can I tell you that God is not just the God of Keith Heights Baptist Church. We live in the United States of America. We call ourselves a Christian nation. But God is not just the God of the United States of America. He is my God. And He is your God. The psalmist said this, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. And there is a... There's a, a famine of God's people, it seems like, in, in our hearts, of having God in a personal relationship. Having God in a place where, where He is not just the God of heaven, He's not just the God who died and was buried and rose again, but He is my God. In the book of Hebrews, we are told that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. That we can find mercy that helps in time of need. And the idea that you and I can have God as our God. He's not just a God off somewhere that belongs to a lot of people. He's mine. He's personal. It's me. And it's Him. I thank the Lord that when I get up in the morning time and I want to spend time with my Savior, I don't have to go and find a priest somewhere. 
I don't have to go and, and find some kind of a religious building to go and commune with my God. Although in the, in the Old Testament times, they would go to the tabernacle and, and, and later on the temple. And that God's presence was residing in the place called the Holy of Holies. Can I tell you this morning, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of you. He is your God. He belongs to you. He belongs to me. And, and I want us to know something here that Daniel did not look at it and say, well, uh, I'll tell you what, he is, he is the God of Israel, and boy, I sure wish somebody would step up and serve him. I wish our, our nation would serve him. I wish our, our, our synagogue down the road or whatever, uh, our, our group of people that get together and worship God, I wish they would serve him. No, no. Daniel said, he's my God. In fact, if you take time to read through the book of Daniel, Daniel goes to God on behalf of his people. And he begins his prayer by saying, God, forgive me. He's going to pray for the sins of the nation, but before he does, he says, God, forgive me. Why? Because it was his God. It wasn't just the God of his people. Can I tell you this? We need to wake up and live every moment of every day with the mindset that God is my God. He sees me every moment of every day. You know, the Bible says that he, can, he knows the number of the hairs on your head. I've talked about this before. That's a hard thing for him to do with me because I lose a lot of hair all the time. It's coming and going. I nurture a few. They fall out. I, I, had, my, I had one the other day. It got about a half inch long right on top, and one of my kids plucked it out of my head while I was driving down the road. And God had to adjust his count. And we laugh, and, we, 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 and that's kind of humorous. But can I tell you this? If God knows the number of the hairs on my head, that's a pretty intimate relationship. If God knows every thought and intent of my heart, that's a pretty close relationship. He's my God. And I think sometimes we get the idea of God in His, in his bigness and the fact that He's infinite, that He's the God of the world, He's the God of the United States, He's the God of our church. Can we bring it home this morning and say, He's my God. All of the things that God has, all of His resources are available to me. His salvation is available to me. His blessings are available to me. By the way, His chastening is available to me. And while we don't like that, we thank Him for it, don't we? Or we ought to, because it's needful. Daniel said, this is my God. In fact, it was so much his God that even the king looked at it. He said, is thy God the one that you belong to? The one that you have close personal relationship with? How did he know that? I think a good indication of that is found up in verse number 10. When it says that even after he knew the decree, look what it says here. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees, not once, not twice, but three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Can I tell you, it's about time and high time for God's people not to just refer to God up in heaven, but he's my God, that we claim him as our own. By the way, when we do, there's going to be some things that will change. If He becomes my God, He lives inside of me. He owns me. He's part of me. 
that he's going to dictate my actions because he's my God. He's going to begin to have ever. And by the way, there's great peace in that. He's going to begin to show me the way that I ought to live. He's going to help my heart to grow in things. He's going to be able to open the pages of Scripture to me as I read them because he's my God. You know, the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There are three types of people in this world, and I've shared them with you before. I'll share them real quick, and then we're going to move on. There's the natural man. The Bible spoke of it. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is the lost man, the man who is unsaved. We are born as sinners. Then there is the spiritual man. This is the man who walks, he's, he's out from under the bondage of, of sin and death, and he walks after the Spirit. He, he seeks for the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life. He's longing to please God with his life. And then we have what the Bible refers to as the carnal man. And the carnal man is one who has been saved, but he continues to choose to live his life under the bondage of the law of sin and death. Can I tell you this, when we start making God our God, we will not be the natural man and we will not be the carnal man. But we will be a man or a woman who's seeking to walk after God every moment of every day. He's my God. We can't understand things unless we're following after Him. And so when we come to the Scriptures, God opens the Scriptures to us. Why? Because He lives inside of us. His Holy Spirit is there helping us and understanding these things. Then I want you to notice also, He says, It's thy God. Notice this, He says, Whom thou servest continually. When it came to Daniel's service to God, not only was it personal service, but it was also a continuous service. Continuous service. It's amazing to me. How many times in my life there have been moments where I felt very on fire for God and moments where I felt really cold. And I, I've talked to a lot of people, and I'm not the only guy that goes through that, I don't think. I think a lot of people tend to have those moments, sometimes more than others. But wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of us that we could be continual in our service to God? That it would be consistent. Not that it would be perfect, but it would be consistent. We would continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That when we got to the end of our life, we could say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have run the race with patience that was set before me. I have done that which was necessary and needful that God had laid out before me. I have been steadfast. I have been continuous. My dad's favorite verse in his life verse is, um, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the, or I'm sorry, uh, um, oh, so I forgot it here. Uh, that you be steadfast, unmovable. How's that start? Um, somebody help me. Well, anyway, what is it? Always about. I understand that. that uh, steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, Lord. And I apologize for can't remember it. And it was my dad's life first. But uh, the idea being this, and I mentioned it in Sunday school, that we may not have all the talents somebody else has, but we can be faithful. We can be consistent in our life. And we need to pray that God would give us the gumption, that God would give us the ability and, 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 and allow us to have the, the drive to be faithful to Him in our service, to be continuous in Him, to be consistent in the Christian life. Um, my family, uh, in growing up, you know, you know how people talk about pastor's kids or missionary's kids sometimes? 
And sometimes you'll hear them talk about how uh, bad those kids are. Boy, they just went bad. They went off the deep end. They did this. They did that, whatever. And I have, uh, I have a, a, a brother and a sister that are younger than me, and I have an older sister uh, than me. And I've got, we've got an adopted brother uh, that's older than all of us, uh, that he was adopted uh, into our family when he was 16. And, uh, but uh, all of us children that were born into the family, that were raised our entire lives with our family, uh, every one of them are in, in serving the Lord today in, in ministry. And some people have asked over the years and said, well, why, why is that when so many pastor's kids seem to go bad? And we've talked about this at home. We've tried to figure it out. Well, why, you know, how in the world did we end up this way, not, uh, not going? And, and trust me, the temptations were there. There were, there were times any one of us could have done that. And by the way, even from this point, God could, uh, there could still be a time in our life where we could forsake God. But, you know, there was something I think that all four of us mentioned and, and happened on one day in, in talking about it. And one of the things was this. That my mom and dad, as far as I can remember, and my, my brothers and sisters will attest to this, that my mom and dad were at home what they were in public. The fact that there was a consistency there. What I heard my dad preach from the pulpit, he lived. He lived in him private. What my mom and dad were perceived by others to be outwardly, they were that or more inwardly and in the home. And I want to just say this, and I'm not trying to, to, and maybe that's a poor illustration, because I'm not trying to brag or, or put pat our family on the back, but I will say this, that there is a value to having consistency in the Christian life. That there be a continuous service to God. Not just something that one day we're doing this and the next day we're doing something else. Not, not just where we talk about serving God one day and then the next day we're living like the world. And I want us to know that when the king came to Daniel... He knew some things about Daniel. He said, "Is thy God whom thou servest continually. This is not something that, they, that Daniel woke up that morning and decided, hey, I'm going to serve God today. The king knew that Daniel was continually serving him. Daniel had a testimony, didn't he? The king that he's serving under now is now the third king. And the other kings that were before him, I'm sure, also had record of Daniel's faithfulness. And I have no doubt that the king of uh, King Darius knew those things because he was con uh, consistent in the Christian life of serving him. Not only was his service personal, but it was also continual. And I want you to notice also that it brought God's power and God's working into his life. The consistency of Daniel's life, the personal uh, relationship with God, brought about something in Daniel's life that I think is amazing. Because here he is in an ungodly uh, world empire. They certainly had many, many other gods that they worshipped. There were numbers, in fact, so much so that even the princes said, we want people to only worship the king and only ask a petition of the king and not of gods. And so he's living in a pagan environment, in a pagan world, and I want you to notice that because Daniel's testimony was personal with God and because it was consistent with God, it brought about God's working and God's power in his life, didn't it? He said, Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able... And you could stop right there if you wanted to and put a question mark, and the answer would be yes. But he said, Is he able to deliver thee from the lions? And notice what it says here in verse number 21. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths 
that they have not hurt me. You know, the Daniel, Daniel could have said, Oh, king, I, I avoided the, the, the lions all night. Uh, it kept me on my toes, but I ran from them all night long. And, and I'll tell you, I got a few bites and scratches, but I'm okay. But he doesn't say that, does he? He goes to the king and he says, King, listen, you were right. My God shut the lion's mouths. He sent that angel. And the angel shut the lion's mouths, and I have no hurt on me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And we look at that and we say, what? An amazing miracle and working of God, couldn't we? That's an amazing thing. But can I tell you, I find something in this passage that far surpasses the actual work of God in shutting the lion's mouth. I think it's wonderful, and it's exciting to read, isn't it? When we hear that God sent His angel to shut the lion's mouth. But you know something that is more amazing to me than anything is this. In verse number 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God. Notice this. Of Daniel. He's already made reference to the fact that he's the living God. But one of the great commentaries on Daniel's life is that he associated the living God with the God of Daniel. It was Daniel's God. Daniel had that personal relationship with him. Daniel consistently served him. And when Daniel consistently served him, not only did God miraculously deliver Daniel, but he used that event, and this is something only God can do. He used that event of a simple young man who was brought into captivity so many years before to spread the news of a one true God, the living God, to the entire world. That's pretty amazing. Do you know that if Daniel had not claimed God as his personal God, maybe he was just one of the gods that he served? Or perhaps Daniel claimed God but he only served God when it was convenient and didn't cost him anything. Do you think that the whole world would have heard about the God of Daniel? I've often wondered this in reading this passage. When we do God's work, God's way, but without His power upon our lives, are we serving out of God's will? I believe the answer to that is yes. That there needs to be a revival of God's people seeking the integrity of Him being my God. Not just a walk that we talk about among ourselves, but a legitimate and for real authentic walk with God that we have in our own prayer closets, in our own private moments. That there be a consistency of serving God in our lives. And then sit and watch what God can do through a life that is wholly yielded to Him. Somebody said that to D.L. Moody one time. Said, the world has yet to see what a, world, what a man fully yielded to God can do. D.L. Moody was pricked to the heart. He made the commitment. He said, by the grace of God, I will be that man 
D.L. Moody surrendered his life, and two different continents were shaken for the cause of Christ. Thousands and hundreds of thousands, directly and indirectly, were saved through the ministry of D.L. Moody. But here we stand a hundred plus years later, and I can say without a doubt that the world has yet to see what a man or woman fully yielded to God can do. We have yet to see it. As great as D.L. Moody was used of the Lord, as great as Charles Spurgeon, Charles Finney, some of these great, great men who used to have the power of God upon their lives, praying hide. John Knox. Some of these great, great men who God used in a mighty way. Evan Roberts. The world has yet to see what a man fully yielded to God can do. Daniel, just a simple young man, brought into captivity, probably older teen years, said, I'm just simply going to trust God. He's going to be mine. And I'm going to serve Him. No matter what, I'm going to serve Him. If the king decides a decree that says, I'm going to put you to death if you do anything but ask a petition of me. You know what Daniel's response was? He went, he even opened his windows. He wasn't trying to hide it. And he began to pray three times a day. As he did a four time. And then look at what God was able to do through that kind of a man. Makes us wonder. God can still do those things. He's not limited. But are we willing to pay the price to have God move in that way in our lives? Are we consistent in our service to Him? Are we walking with Him personally? Spending time with Him personally? Oh, that we could see. I'd love to see in my lifetime, and I think time is drawing very short. I'd love to see in my lifetime a true Holy Spirit led and started revival where God's power comes in a mighty way. And the truth is, we're almost too busy for God to send revival, aren't we? We're almost too distracted by it. It'd be wonderful if we could get back to the same kind of mindset that Daniel had, where he just said, God is my God. I'm going to serve Him. And I'm going to serve Him consistently. doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm going to serve Him regardless of the cost. And then watch what God can do. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed as our uh, musicians come to the piano and organ. We have just a verse or two of invitation time. And if God's spoken to your heart today, perhaps you would come. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, can I encourage you, please, that you would respond to the invitation. Let us show you from God's Word how you can be saved today. The greatest day of your life will be the day that you trust Him as your Savior. Then I would encourage Christians that are here today, are we making Him our God? Is He a personal God to us? Is He ours? Do we belong to Him? Does He belong to us? Are we serving Him consistently? Or are we hindering His work in our lives?
Father, we pray that you'll bless the invitation, use it as you would see fit. We pray that your Holy Spirit will work in hearts and draw us to you. I pray that you would bless in all that we've said and done here today and help us to put into practice in our lives the things that you have encouraged us in through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll have just a verse or two of invitation. If God's spoken to you, would you come this morning? Just one more verse of invitation. Others have responded. Perhaps you would come as well. As they play, would you come this morning? Fathers, we dismiss in prayer. We do pray that you would help us to leave here this morning with your word upon our hearts and our minds. Lord, there are so many times that we get so distracted and quickly forget the things that you've dealt with in our hearts. Even day by day as we come to your word and we read it and spend time with you, the distractions seem to be so great, and I fear that so often we lose out on the leading of your Holy Spirit in our lives simply because we are drowning him out with all of the things of this life. I pray that you would help us to be sensitive and yielded to it. I pray that you would help us to set aside time daily. That we not go through the motions of having devotions, but that we would uh, spend the time walking with you as our God. That there would be that personal relationship, that time that is spent listening to you through your word, spent praying and sharing our hearts to you. And Father, that you would empower us and strengthen us to accomplish the work that you've given for us to do in this world. Lord, we are not winning the battle of reaching this world with the gospel. And I believe in a large part because we have not had in recent memory and in recent days a moving of your Holy Spirit's power upon us. I pray that you would allow us to get to a place where we are not hindering or quenching, but that our hearts would be ready and willing should your Holy Spirit choose to move upon them. And that we would see revival once again in our country and in this world. Lord, may it begin in our hearts. I pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. And bless the food that we'll have here in just a few moments. Thank you for providing it for us. 
and pray that you would help us to have a wonderful time of fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before uh, we're dismissed, let me just mention very quickly, uh, for those of you that would like to stay for our 1 o'clock service, you're welcome to do that. We have plenty of food downstairs, and you're welcome to stay for lunch uh, if you'd like to do that. I know some of you have said you need to slip out and get going. Um, Brother Jim, good to have your, your family with us. Good to have you visiting from California. Is that right? California. So good to have you here, and hope you've enjoyed the time uh, with your mom and uh, others that are visiting here today. Thank you for being with us. If there's any way we can be of help to you, let us know. We'll be glad to help you any way that we can. And uh, God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.